Welcome to the Financial Planners South Africa podcast, a show dedicated to driving the positive evolution of financial advice, specifically in South Africa. To join a global community of financial advisors, sharing and learning with one another to drive the positive evolution of financial advice, head to xyadvisor.com. Portfolio Metrics is thrilled to bring you this podcast in support of our common passion, people and the evolution of wealth management. Our global business links precision investment management to expert financial advice through partnerships and technology. Portfolio Metrics is an authorized financial services provider. Visual, interactive, meaningful, productive. Four values underpinning AssetMap, a financial planning platform loved by advisors and their clients. This episode is proudly brought to you by Alan Gray. They say it's important to live for today. Although that might be true, we can't forget to plan for tomorrow. There's a lot of it left, after all. Alan Gray is an authorized financial services provider. Visit www.alangray.co.za to learn how we build long-term wealth for clients. Good morning, Hendrik Crawford. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Financial Planners South Africa podcast. It is my privilege to have you here as our guest. You've been on numerous podcasts before, but for those that haven't heard your name before and haven't heard the Cruffy's brand, please can you just give us a little bit of background of, of who you are and what you're up to? Thank you very much, uh, Louis, and good morning for you and also for our, all our listeners that will be listening to the podcast. Yeah, privileged to be with you and um, yeah, I think the podcast fits into the whole thing of Crafish Financial Coaching. I see myself as a financial coaching artist and um, yeah, my mission in life is if I can add value to individuals and um, companies that I interact with, I'm in my happy place zone. So yeah, so wonderful to be here, Louis. Great. Uh you mentioned a artist in there, and that is not something that we often hear in the more analytical financial planning realm. Why artist? Yeah, Louis, a very good question. You know, I, I, my, my, myself has been a financial advisor and being, being in the financial industry for the past 31 years um, and um, been a financial advisor for a large part of that and then in management. And yeah, about... 15, 16 years ago, uh, alongside the finance industry that always intrigued me, uh, I started exploring financial or coaching at such, as such at that point, point, point in time. And um, for me, uh, the more I played with it, I, I saw the interrelationship inter between understanding our clients and as unique human beings and, and they, how they think about money, how they feel about money their values um, and the importance that that plays into the whole thing of of the the figures and um, supporting it that we must bring those two together and and I always say when I talk to students um, at the universities around the career of financial planning I say in the past I said that the wonderful thing is of financial planning and our careers is that we bring together the whole thing of contracts which uh, attorneys does and tax which the accountants do and if we bring that together we, we actually at the center bring it, making sure that that our clients contractual parts like the wills the buy and sell agreements 
and on the other side, the financial planning part can play, play out and come together. However, I think the new thing for me is that if we also bring together those things that's dear and important for our clients from a financial coaching side and integrate that with the agreements and the numbers, we actually creating, that's why we are professionals, is bringing all that together in one part. However, it's it's not something that's only a science. Science, it's also an art because I think there's really something that we need to dance with between, between those three parts and circles, you know, where those vectors come together. That's so true. And they talk about, you know, the human side or, or the personal side and then the technical side. Yeah. And, you know, we spend, we don't spend a lot of time training the personal skills and the human skills. And I know you've been involved in helping a lot of financial planners start building that. Maybe give us a little bit of a background around what you've been doing uh, specifically around the financial planner training sessions. Yeah, so perhaps it can be useful for financial planners that's interested in uh, the the human side, a little bit of my own history in terms of where my, my own journey. I, I started off initially with um, at starting off with CTE, which is the... Um, ground level course at the University of Cape Town's Business School, School Center for Coaching. Then I explored um, NLP uh, level one and level two. And then I started engaging, did ACC and PCC. I was the, uh, privileged to be the second group of doing PCC at um, Center for Coaching. And um, then I did conscious embodiment, uh, how our bodies influence us and how we can use our bodies also to as, as a conduit because we live so much in our heads that we actually forget we, we've got a whole body, body uh, with Wendy Palmer, um, did neuro, neuroscience um, uh, co co coaching as part of it, uh, then got involved in the Enogram and um, also Focus Balance Indicator. Um, and so really walked a journey in terms of seeing what different modalities is out there. And then about, it was about three years ago, um, myself and the Center for Coaching at the University of the Free State, we were evaluating uh, new students uh, or students that were doing their final year case studies for, um, at that stage, BUR's financial planning. And we were having this conversation around the human side and not only looking at the figures and, 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 and the numbers and the contracts. And at that point in time, Shirley was head of the school. She said, but why don't we do something together? And that's where it was initially born, the whole program. And we we then, um, at, that, at that point in time, I played with the concept of uh, using um, my base integral coaching. However... Planners were grappling a little bit of 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 moving from cognitive head stuff into the real conversations of changing and and the human side, and then Karen, which was my pod coach uh, way back when I did um, PCC, said that she got involved with Alan Sila uh, from um, Australia and ontological coaching. She said, "Come and do." ontological coaching i joined them on the three-day course and i said it's so much it's the ontological coaching model is all about having a conversation seeing people as unique human beings being a full-time learner which is so much of what we in any case do as financial planners and 
just looking at that conversation and what is the emotions and moods in the conversation, what is the assessments we are making which is not grounded, what is the assertions we are making, what are we not asking, was so valuable for me that we then started building the, the initial coaching pro program, then on the ontological coaching model, and what we then learned was when our planners enjoyed that so much when they attended this course, this course initially was a three-day intensive course. However, when they got back to the practices, they said, when am I having a coaching conversation with my clients? When am I having uh, figures at financial planner? Which hat must I wear when? And um, uh, a large part of my work be was becoming to coach planners after attending the course of how do I integrate this where we then started developing uh, the 12-week course, which we've currently got, where we've got then the coaching in one lane. Now, every, every week, a conversation of the integration with financial planning. How do you have a values conversation with a client? How do you look at money scripts? How do you look at the client's money personality? And how does that integrate? How does husbands and wives differ, differ in terms of their approach and we then develop uh, the program we've currently got Louis so uh, a lot of signs that went, went in it and a lot of mentors you, you know we also um, there's a lot of people especially from the US that we work uh, with and learn fr fr from so but yeah it's uh, it's it's a wonderful journey and uh, and I can see the value that people is getting from from this in, engaging in it and and also the different conversations they can then have with their clients so you've really explored all there is to coaching and said what are the best parts that financial planners need to know not to turn them into coaches but actually to have better discussions and i think one thing that comes to mind is that oftentimes we jump into action right we want a client to make changes yet only 20% of them tend to be ready for that change. What would you say to a financial planner that's struggling with a client to take action with those conversations where, you know, the client might be going round and round trying to figure out what the best way is to move forward? What are the key skills that a financial planner needs to focus on to handle those discussions better? Yeah, so uh, it's, it's an interesting one, uh, especially when we were still doing the three-day intensive, we, we got financial planners that the first day in the class said, said uh, if you now ask, you know, what is expectations, you, you know, is <laughs> then uh, 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 there was a golden thread sometimes, uh, is, I want to come and, come and learn, give me the tools so that I can change my client. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, so as if our clients is broken, yeah, you know, our clients is not broken, there's something in their finances that's broken, or in their lives that's broken that we must uh, guide the, them to, so, so, and, and at the end of the day, to your point, if they're not re ready, we, we, we can't force them to, to change, so it's a process that we must walk with them and facilitate with them that they get awareness and see what, what, what is what is happening in their own lives and i think the most important one louis starts with something basic like really listening to our clients because am i there and and that's a big move am i there to give a solution because we we were trained as professional practitioners to be solution orientated and i would say great consultants where we must have the answers now ever the, the answer that's the answer for me or for the previous client 
is not necessarily the answer that the client that's sitting in front of me needs. So it starts with something wonderful like really just being present and listening to the clients. You know, somebody the other day said, in your first conversation, most probably you 90% of it of the total conversation must be a listening conversation and your client must do 90% of the talk, talking, you know, where most probably the challenge is from a professional planner is I want to sell my value to my client instead of just listening to my client because how many times do we actually get listened to? You know, so I would say that's the first and most important skill if we talk about skills is just how do I listen and how do I then ask questions to understand better because our clients will most probably tell us stories however there's taken for granted beliefs which they will not always tell us which is is a sub layer of what they are saying so how do we listen for that not spoken to uh, concerns that our clients have so yeah, just perhaps, I think that's most probably, and it's so elementary as just listening, you, you know, uh, I want to start there, you, you know, is I think that's such a useful skill, you know. Uh, these are skills that, you know, we sometimes think we're great at, you know, we're good listeners or we're good at asking questions, but until you start practicing improving the quality of your questions and, you know, being present and listening to someone, I think you actually realize, oh, hold on, uh, this could have been so much better. No, it's 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 def- definitely because, you know, if we just think of listening as uh, and and I and uh, while we were were talking and while you were talking, I caught myself again there. You know, I, I'm listening to you, but I'm also listening to conversation in in my own head. You know, uh, instead of just being present and what you are saying and then just flow flow from 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 from, from there, not having the answers because we're so much sometimes so concerned about what is the right answer we're going to give on the question that being 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 asked asked and i i think then you know there's other things that comes with that is do i have empathy for my my client am i vulnerable as a financial planner to make myself vulnerable to listen and also to sometimes say i don't know i'll find out and um, and that again leads to trust, you know, which is so so important for for a lifelong relationship with our clients. So yeah, Hendrik, and we hear the pushback that you know this is going to take so much longer. I don't have the time to sit with my client to do this, or clients aren't ready for this. You know, what's your take on that? Yeah, interesting. Um, the other day I was facilitating a, a, w- a workshop, and one of the pl- planners said, "But my client haven't got." the time for for, for for these conversations, you, you know. And I was wondering, why are my client not having the time for me to have a conversation? Because that's actually concerning because is the client only making time for me to give that short cryptic numbers f- feedback? Is that the, what the client sees that is actually the value that I can add as a financial planner? Or is there something more? Because... I think what I experience is if, if because I also facilitate coaching conversations with independent financial advisors, uh, with their, their, their clients, and what, what I see, the clients is open for those conversations as soon as they understand that you are actually interested in them. We as human beings love that people want to hear our sto- sto- story. So I think it's a, it's that paradox, firstly, the paradox of 
making time to listen to the client and really listen to the client's stories and then adding from there, adding real value to our clients. That's one part. And then most probably the other part is a paradox in our own heads is how am I going to be paid for that time that I'm sitting with the client? Yeah, that's so true. Hey, these are important things to consider. And I'm wondering what the expectations are that we're creating for clients when they come into the meeting. You know, like you mentioned, is this advisor wearing his legal hat or his accounting hat in terms of the services they provide? But using coaching and the coaching conversations, I think slowly but surely clients are expecting deeper conversations and they're expecting the conversations around the, you know, the relationship with money and their history with money. You mentioned that earlier, you know, the money scripts and, and a couple of the tools that uh, financial planners could use. Is there anyone that stands out that, um, that you want to unpack a little bit that's really been uh, helpful for financial planners that you've coached? Yeah, so 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 the first, uh, and also I think it's a personality, personality uh, th- thing th- thing, and um, it's also to gauge what is your client for for open, and and, and I want to go back one step. I I think uh, the positioning of what we are talking about here, where we bring the human side side the legal side and the, the financial side in terms of tax and cash flows and stuff together is 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 most probably also foreign for our clients out, out there. So how do I position my value proposition w- w- with my client? How do I open up that conversation with my client? Because um, I think there's most probably if I position myself as a financial advisor or financial planner, there's also a history in our clients' heads of what is the expectation I can have with, from a financial planner. So how do I position my different value proposition, my uniqueness, my human approach to financial planning with the client? And I, I think there's a few simple tools that one can use that's not going to even cost you any money, which just talks to conversations is, Firstly, is how do you open up in terms of your conversations, you know, and then to your point, if I think about something that stands out, which I, I'm just flabbergasted each time when I engage with clients is, you know, if you think think about, about Brad Clons and them, they, that money egg exercise of theirs where you ask a client to draw an egg, which we call the money egg, and then you ask the egg must be drawn with their left hand, their non-dominant hand, to put them a little bit out of their comfort zone. And you then say, just draw your money memories from childhood uh, in that money egg and just draw, draw, draw them. And then after they fold up the egg, say, okay, now next to that, write down which of those are positive memories and what of those are negative memories. And what of those then? And then it becomes a conversation. Tell me more about those stories of, 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 of the pictures you just draw. And how does that influence you today in terms of how you look at money? And that's such a powerful uh, exercise, uh, Louis, as uh, you, you know. And, and you make the financial conversation less serious because we know stats shows us that 50% of clients out there have got money anxiety. So money is most probably something that most people don't want to talk about. It's something that's heavier. Over and above that, it's a session that money is bad to talk about, like politics and sex, uh, you know, is 
uh, is the same. So why can't we make it a little bit lighter also as part of the process? Make it a con- light conversation, which is not making jokes about it, but because it is serious. But how do you make it fun for your for your client? How do you make it different? You know, and I think that's making your value proposition also different. You know, so yeah. I love that money egg exercise, and it you know it's normalizing the things that we're talking about. Saying yeah. this is a safe space, we can talk about about money and your history and your experiences. And in, even in our business, you know, as we start asking clients, you know, what was money like growing up? It is amazing to see uh, the habits that they still carry 60, 70, 80 years yeah. later from what they learned from their parents. Um, and um, obviously I do that, you do that, Hendrik, we all do that, yeah. um, consciously or subconsciously. Money is definitely emotional. So, so you know, and all of us have got it. So, so and that's, again, back to... Why is it so important for us as financial planners and for you as a financial planner out there listening to, to us is you the guide for your cli- client and you, you there not only that once off when you do the financial plan, it's a journey with your, your client. Financial planning is a journey because, um, you, you know, I always say, you know, there, there's, there's two parts. There's the planning part and then life will happen and the plan will definitely yield to life and then where are you then to help your client to stay on track and and then make the right decisions when they are under pressure doesn't help you just there when it's going well it's also to help in that small moments and and then you must really understand your client because you must understand that are your client a saver or a spender um uh, how do you? What is important for your client? Is family important for for your client? So, if a family member is going to be in need, then your client is most probably want to go want to dip into that say say savings. And is that the right thing at that moment? And where are you then to guide your client on on that journey? And your client must also understand that's part of your value proposition. You know. So yeah. yeah, I think the thing that comes to mind for me is aligning the client's values with their money. You know yeah. and how much time do we spend unpacking values and you know having those discussions it's often not much and values come up you know quite often Um, how's that played out with the work that you've done with your clients you know looking back at your financial planning career yeah Yeah. so so interesting um the values one is what what is so powerful of of a values discussion for for me personally or using one of the financial personality assessments or also, but if we just stay with the, uh, the values, the discussion is especially very powerful between husbands and wives, but especially if one can do that values discussion uh, in one conversation where husband and wife is both present um, and create a safe space for them to have that discussion because I haven't had one values conversation where husband and wife or partners uh, is is in 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 that conversation where they didn't end up actually with different values. What what is important for for, for me, you, you know, and and that 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 is a point of conflict normally, which they'll then admit when when one talks about it. But in a lot of cases, after understanding it, they can have much more empathy with each other due to the fact that that's important for me, that's important for you, and how do how can we actually support? And sometimes what is interesting, 
those contrasting values can actually support each other, you know, whether one wants to have experiences in life, a lifestyle is important for them, whether the other person is conservative and wants to make provision and security is more important is that one can help them live a life in the moment which they can create memories for themselves and the family and the other one can help making provision for retirement and making sure that they can still enjoy a good lifestyle when they age together, you, you know, which in any case, in terms of life transitions, they don't even know if they'll be able to age together. However, they can get the best of both worlds, you know, and plan for both worlds, which help us also then as financial planners to keep them on track if you can get the, have those value conversations. Yeah, so is it highlighting those things that could potentially derail their plans and saying, Let's unpack it. Let's talk about it before it happens. Um, or am I am I missing it? Yeah. So interesting about values discussion, uh, the, and and that comes a little bit back to manuscripts. Most probably, also is what I found in the past, or, or sometimes is that somebody will, for instance, say it's for me important to build a, a, a legacy. However, is, is let's say is value number one. The second value is most probably let's say making provision for my family and security for my family. Let's say they say the third value is spiritual. However, then you get something that pops out, yeah, and uh, which could be something like um, being philanthropic or something like that, which is also a great one. However, what then happens is that that philanthropic and being a builder and building wealth and creating a legacy all of a sudden in, in their minds could be opposing values because the philanthropic one um, at the bottom could be derailing the creating legacy one because there's tension between the values and then it's to say how do you facilitate that process because being philanthropical and creating a legacy could be the same thing. It don't have to be two different things is then to say how do you help the client then to create alignment between the values because it could, and you see, see it sometimes, a business person that's brilliant at building businesses, but then for some other reason, the businesses fail at a point in time. And I've seen it uh, in the past already that somebody like that most probably grew up and that comes back to the manuscripts in the house where money is a bad thing and being wealthy is bad. So as soon as they get themselves successful, they destruct that again you know so values could also have those tensions which could be destructive in terms of building wealth yeah i can just imagine how valuable that must be for someone to you know realize that they are self-destructing their own financial plan um, and how much more valuable that could be than trying to deliver better returns or creating a better financial product within that and having these conversations you know that you're saying are pushing against each other and incorporating because you can approach, you know, you can repackage their values essentially and, and deliver it back to them. I just think it's the skills that you're training financial planners is key to be able to have these more difficult discussions. You know, we call it soft yeah. skills, but it should probably be called the hard skills. Yeah. And, and the interesting th thing is um, you just start with a conversation is my experience. So, so, and, and. And, and it is a conversation with your client which you, you, you're just asking the questions and the client is actually giving you the information. In most cases, 
for the client, it's a hard moment at the at the at the st- stage, you know, and you making actually the clients the captains of their own ships, you know, which takes a huge responsibility from you as a financial planner. You you don't have to be the person that now tries to enforce the long term planning. You're not the person. Back to your first question in terms of how do you help somebody to change, you know, it links here is if you can get the person to really understand, have really have clarity in terms of where they are going, have clarity in terms of their goals and vivid things and making those declarations, you know, I want to achieve this and this and this. And um, then it becomes so much clearer for the client and, um, you 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 actually then just the cheerleader, you know. So you, you must just shout for them on the side to go go go, you know. So uh, and they clear on what they actually want to achieve, you know. So that sounds like a much better role than trying to be the expert that ha- that has to have all the knowledge and all the correct answers and can never make a mistake. Yeah. Yeah. What has the impact been for the people, the financial planners that have gone through this coach training with you? How has that changed their business and what is the feedback that you're getting from them? So I think the wonderful thing is, Louis, and that's most probably part of our process as well as the course is we put the content out, out there. You know, in orthological coaching, we, we talk about way of being. So how do do I as an individual see the world? Because how I see the world will impact how I interact with the world and that will impact on my results. So so we we give the content to the financial planners and they then over the 12-week journey, they interact with the content. And our last part of the course is how actually will you integrate this into your your pra- practice and in, in terms of your engagement with your, your cli- clients, we firstly see a huge shift over the 12 we- weeks, which most probably the biggest shift is a personal shift, is I saw a lot of things in my own life change because we do not live com- in compartments. Is you know Most probably how I manage my f- finances is also how I manage my relationships, how I manage my leadership how I engage with, 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 with the world. So so there's a huge shift for financial planners on a per- personal personal base. And then secondly, because we train from tight agents, independent advisors, corporate financial planners, wealth managers that we've trained over the last nearly a year now what we, we what we are running the running or running the 12, 12 week online one and before that also we then trained the three day workshops but specifically with the 12 week one where you've got time to consume and engage and uh, with the material to your point then how do I see um, the impact in terms of practices that that will differ you know over and above the personal growth um one will have financial planners that say I changed my value proposition totally to a more we we call our process the purpose driven financial planning process, which is very much based on the principles of life plan, planning supported then with financial coaching. We see that some planner planners even change their websites to align <laughs> to to our program, which is hugely satisfactory. Other people will take parts of 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 this and say, okay, I want to change. And then um, the other part is, uh, you know, due to the fact that we've 
got these conversations over 12 weeks. People start having conversations. I've just got a commission-based practice. However, if I bring components of this in, how do I bring a different pricing in? They start playing with fees. So there's different growth for different people. And, and I'm comfortable because I think it's a new way of engaging, a new way of dealing with your customers, a new value proposition you're taking to your customers. And as long as we can be the seeds that's thrown out there that starts growing and bringing a new way of looking at things, that's fine, you know. So whatever you take and where you want to shift, even if it's in small increments, we also offer a once a month coaching conversation where whoever wants to pop in, pop in. So we see some of our students pop in back there and uh, sponge in whatever we offer there once once a, once a month. Uh, we've also got an online forum where we, we all else, uh, or the students is part, part of where we have a little bit of engagement there where we keep on sharing the message. So, yeah, so we also try to keep the conversation going after the 12 weeks, you know. So, yeah. It's wonderful to see these communities, you know, build specifically around the coaching conversations. I know, yeah. obviously, Alan Gray has their coaching training that they've done, which I've been on. Uh, Old Mutual does that. You yeah. know, you're doing that with the University of Free State. And it's wonderful to just see that being more part of, you know, the tool sets that financial planners should have. People like the CFP board in the States even included the psychology of personal finance now in their curriculum. Would you say this should be compulsory for people working towards their CFP? Does this sit after you've achieved your CFP? Or at what level would you have to be in terms of your financial planning experience before you start working on these skills? Interesting. And it's an interesting conversation, especially with corporates and, and uh, to have these discussions because normally you, you get to a point where they say, oh, we must first try, train product, then we must train technical training, and then we must bring the soft skills in. I would turn the parameter around. I would start uh, and say, because, and the reason why I'm saying that it's not only that due to the fact that I'm involved on the coaching side is, I think if you can train somebody initially to have coaching conversations, that that becomes a part of, of your being and DNA as a fi financial planner. Then when you engage with product training and compliance training and the financial planning part, you will look at that training from, from the eyes of, of a coaching conversation is, I see my client as a unique human being with unique needs because, you, you, you know, if you just think of it through the standard fact-find forms, which normally speaks to death, disability, uh, retirement, and perhaps, you know, what wonderful goals have you got and the client must all of a sudden think up, you, you know, goals and give that for you and then you go and input it and... Those forms was designed to sell a product at the old end of the day. Your client coming to sit in front of you don't want to hear about the fact sheet like that last year we paid out 30% death claims due to heart attacks or whatever the case may, may be. Your client have got a concern if I pass away, what happens about the business I'm involved? I've got a concern about what's going to happen with, happen with my wife and kids. What's going to happen with the extended family that I'm looking after? Those are the concerns our clients have got. So we will still sell the product, but 
first understand what is my client's concerns and then we can ad- address it. Uh, you know, the uh, same as retirement, I think, is a word that must be banned, you know, because um, it's just a different stage of my life. So, and in any case, we say clients do not save enough so uh, for retirement, so why don't we make it just part of a life journey discussion, you know? So, yeah, now I'm starting to get controversial, yeah. That's brilliant. Um, I think it's, you know, it's so accurate. And we see that in the business side as well. People don't retire and sit back and, you know, wait to expire. They still want to have a purpose. They still can have different income streams. I think with technology, you know, and even things like becoming an Uber driver, there's ways to supplement your income, but still get that purpose side. Um, and I love that fact that you, you call it, what did you call it? The purpose led financial planning? Yeah, purpose driven financial planning process. Purpose driven yeah. financial planning. Because without purpose, you know, what are we working towards? And shouldn't we be trying to help our clients find that purpose and get clarity around their purpose? And I mean, you shared your personal purpose statement with me. And I'm wondering if, if you'd be comfortable sharing that with us just so that listeners can get a sense of, you know, why it is that you're so passionate about these topics? Specifically, years back, most probably 15, 16, 17 years back, I, I had one of those weekends where I reflected where I'm going now with my life. And uh, specifically, that, out of there, I, 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 I said to myself that if I can have conversations with companies and individuals to add to them for development purposes, I'll be happy. So developing people and organizations through conversations, that's, that's my purpose statement. And ultimately to glorify God through, through, through that. At this point in time, it's then spreading the word of financial coaching artistry and helping people through, through that. And then my main focus is focusing, helping financial planners, because I think there's just such a bigger impact. If I can help one financial planner, you know, it's like the, the seed and apple then we can then spread a lot of seeds under clients and then um, also helping cli- clients through financial coaching con- conversations so those are my two focus areas but at the core of it is helping and supporting people to d- develop you know and organizations through financial coaching now so yeah so that louis is my personal pur- pur- purpose statement you know so and uh, yeah so what i'm doing speaks spot on into that uh, you know so yeah thank you for sharing that with us and it's it's wonderful to see that passion that shines through you know you talk about assisting corporates and and getting them to move forward and you know training people what are what are the things that you think are missing apart from you know banning the word retirement what are the things that if we had a magic wand and we can we could wave it and change the financial planning profession what would what would that be yeah, I, 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 if you ask me this question, and I think most probably if you go and listen to my past, some of my past podcasts a, a year ago, I would have most probably said the one central thing is ban commission and that we all just work on, on, on fees. But it's, the more I work with it, it's, it's that, 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 that was uh, one of my mentors always say if you, if you look at, some of the assessments you make yourself is is it a thick or a thin assessment and that was a, a very thin assessment yeah you, you know so it was not grounded that that much because our demographics in south africa is uh, and i think across the world it's not just the south african 
problem is 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 two different over over if you look across the total population. So, so I, talking to your magic wand, I I think it's different for different market segments, but I I I think core of it is back to my initial assessment is. How is people remunerated? So um, and and it and I know it's not that easy, but I I think there's something fundamental is because the ch- challenge is for a, a tight agents just starting out in the industry working for uh, a company out there, and I must pay my own bills at the end of of the month. It's very difficult not to get into a conversation around. What are you currently paying in terms of your premium at the at XY company that you're working for? I give you now policy at company P and now at and saving you 400 rand a month and I'm the yellow, but I know I'm going to be able to buy bread at the end of the month. So so yeah, so it's 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 very very difficult. And then there's also. Uh, there's also a customer story at the at the at the back back end where the the, the customer is so used to free advice from a financial planner or being sold free advice between brackets specifically in in the larger market is is that there's also an education part. So yeah, to your question, most probably then the two two things if we've had a magic wand is to understand actually because. Because the the good story counter to that thin stories is I've had people now on courses of mine that just does financial coaching in that lower segment market where people is prepared to pay 500 rand an hour or 750 rand an hour for just financial coaching, helping my, me with my debt, helping me with my budget. Uh, it's 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 also a perception thing. So I, I think there's work to do on our financial planners side, but also I think there's a work also to be done on a consumer side. However, it fundamentally is we need to integrate the human side of money uh, as part of the technical side of money and. Product is just the outcome of 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 that, that and mustn't be the sole reason why I'm, I I am actually engaging with clients. So I think that's the worst thing one can do is selling or starting a product conversation with a client before any one of that other three conversations. Yeah, uh, Hendrik, I completely agree with you. I think it's around aligning the incentives. You know, getting the yeah. financial planner or the advisor's incentives aligned with the clients and you know i know you've been involved in a couple of businesses that have tried to do that but it's probably not as easy as what we think to just say hey pay your financial planners a salary and that'll fix everything you know that comes with its own challenges so if there's a a person in a corporate business thinking around you know what what do we do what's an easy fix to try and get those incentives aligned with the clients like where would they start yeah, so so I, I, I think there's a few things things is is one must think about what what is what is the behavior that that you want to incentivize and because 
at the end of the day, to your point is, company can also not pay out salaries if, if there's not a flow of income at, at the back, back end. So most probably the, the first fundamental question that a company must then answer is, on a company level, do I still want to fund my distribution model from commission or do I want to fund my my distribution model from from fees? So that's a fundamental strategic question that must be, be answered. And, and then you must secondly say, if, if I answer that question, and it can be either or also that answer, because, um, you, you know, one can say fundamentally we get our income from funds under management, and that then funds our, our, our model, but we also throw in all life commission, etc. goes in to, to that pool, and then we pay salaries uh, at salaries and bonuses at, at at, at the front end and um, at, then one can start becoming creative is to say you know do I pay any a, a planner just start, starting with us most probably for having a human conversation with a client then I pay the person for doing a full uh, needs analysis then I do the pay the person for to 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 still have a sales environment that's motivational and then then you say okay but that's supported by a fixed salary and nearly like an article clerk, you know, in an audit, in a more progressive audit firms where you, you pay the person a basic uh, income plus then incentives and a perhaps a bonus, you know. And then the thing is you must then just monitor and manage that tightly for because you do get people and that's normally that burns the model and then it says but it's such a model can't work is if you've got people on board that doesn't bring in fees to, to the comp- company you know and then the model burns and then you revert back to what's wor- that worked in the past and that's then commission you know and then you say but that's the only thing that motivates people but, I, but but yeah that's my few thoughts on on it but yeah it's a ongoing debate that we continuously must have with with each other but we we see there is firms that does it successfully you know to do it the other way around you know, so. yeah i think that balance between you know the bar to enter new financial planners but also the quality of financial planners you know yeah. like you said uh, that values alignment you know it comes to mind aligning the financial planner and the business values so that we can service the the client at the end of the day so it's great to see how your thinking has has changed um you know as as things develop and and play out we at one point you know we expected rdr to uh massively change the financial planning um you know structures that we're so used to in south africa and and that ended up not panning out to the extent that you know a lot of us expected so do you still think that, you know, the regulations that we can see from the U.S. and the U.K. and Australia, do we do we think that we can still apply that in a South African base? Yeah, good question, Louis. I just want to jump back one thing, perhaps, just as a thought, of, of thought for, for new entering advisors. I think one of the problems uh, that I experience uh, is there's a lot of companies that bring inter- in- uh, internship programs in. However, there's also a big component of those people that is misusing those companies that's got internships by just onboarding, coming in and they see it as a foot in the door. They don't really want to become financial planners. They're not art and soul financial planners. They're just coming in and then as soon as they're in the large corporate 
uh, or the bigger financial advice firm. And after they uh, received all the training, they start work, looking for a salary job some, some, somewhere else in the system. And they're not heart and soul actually financial planners. I think that's the one misuse and it's the one thing also that one as an industry must apply, apply our minds. Then to your, to your point, I want to turn the question around. I think we don't have to worry about RDR. We don't have to worry about legislation, etc. If we as a financial industry say we are professionals, we bring the human side of money, the professional side of money, the legal side, the figure side, and we build great relationships with our clients and we build businesses around those principles. I can't see that we, in any case will lose one wink of sleep at, at, at night because then we are doing doing the right things for 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 our for our clients uh, it's easier said than done but uh, I, I I think if we can change our own way of being and engaging with our clients and do that one drop at the, of a time you know that old one percent rule if I can each day improve my customer service with one percent if I can increase my knowledge each day with one percent if I can each day increase my communication skills with one percent then uh, you, you know we, we, we full-time learners we are growing with our clients and whatever then, then I think actually we don't need legislation because legislation is actually just there to protect people against bad practices but if we've got the right thing in our hearts and doing the right thing then we don't have to worry about that you know so yeah you know xy advisor is all about the positive evolution of financial advice and you know what you're saying is that we should just carry on pushing this industry forward and you know not worry too much about the legislative yeah. component that's there to protect and not necessarily there to move us forward into you know, a fully fledged profession, which I think we are, we're getting to, we're getting to. And yeah, Hendrik, thank you so much. I think that's a great way to end today's discussion. I can see your passion that you have for, you know, helping financial planners and organizations deliver better advice through your curiosity, you know, scratching under every rock to see what are valuable skills that financial planners should be, should be working on. And thank you so much for today's conversation. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah. Thank you very much, Louis, for the opportunity and for all the planners that will listen to this. Thank you very much for listening to us. And um, yeah, let's just go out there and improve ourselves and just grow. And then we'll push this the industry to, to, to a new level and just build on that professionality. I agree, Louis. Thank you, Hendrik. Thank you.